Welcome to episode 37 of Expanding Beyond. It's wintertime here in Munich. The first snow came and went and Monica went biking, I believe, today. <laughs> I went grocery go? shopping <laughs> and it happens to be on a bike because since the since the lockdown, the very first one, I was like, eh, maybe taking public transport is not the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, I'm biking everywhere. And, um, that, that's what happens on Saturdays. I got grocery shopping on the bike. So it took me a little bit longer than usual. <laughs> <laughs> it's slowly getting cold. Are you going to keep it up? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I did it last year. I, I can still do it. It's, if you bike, it's not that cold and you can, I learned that with the right clothes, you, <laughs> everything is possible. <laughs> I just don't look particularly ladylike let's put it this way <laughs> i guess that's acceptable yes. so we actually have some feedback from what was it two episodes ago i think we talked mm-hmm. about uh 360 reviews so maybe let let me read the feedback and then we can discuss it yes so a colleague of mine uh wrote to me thank you so much And he says, I've listened to the latest episode of Expanding Beyond yesterday, and I have some feedback on the 360 review subject, but that may also be my burnout speaking. I think my primary issue with feedback stuff is that I vastly prefer when someone comes to me directly to say they like or dislike something, rather than registering this through some HR system. And that's because I don't consider HR being my friend, Uh, but a body that is primarily around to defend the company's interest. I've seen 360 reviews used by vengeful managers to ensure someone doesn't get a bonus or a raise. To the point where they were were inviting people who held some grudge against the person being reviewed. And that's it. Where do I start? (laughs) I was like, it's true. So first of all, thank you. Uh, Also because I only touch on a couple of topics like that of burnout, that of, um, trust in the, in the work environment that are always delicate and introduce a lot of, uh, nuances in, uh, in, in what we talk about. And that it's, that is something that very often we don't say out loud, but uh, that's a fact. That's good. There, there's always a little bit of an asterisk at the end of every sentence that I say, I was like, it depends. I think that the one I always said that like that HR is there to make the interest of the company. Where is the tricky part in my, in my perception, in my perception, the tricky part is that over the decades and more and more with more modern and smaller realities. So companies, the, um, what we think about good management and good behavior on, on the, on the job has changed mm-hmm. informed by neuroscience, informed by psychology, uh, you name it. HR. Yes. As a function, all the functions of a company do serve the company and should serve the company. The point is that a modern HR should understand that in order to make the interest of the company, that is not what you can allow your, uh, your company to, um, like you can allow 
to happen in your company. Because again, I don't have the numbers. I'm pretty sure there's research out there that shows it empirical maybe, but there is companies where there is a high level of trust between the employees and the company itself and the management and so on are definitely more effective and more productive and therefore yield better results for their uh, investors and and their stakeholders Mm -hmm. uh, than companies that don't. It's still possible, you know, like to, to uh, rule with an iron fist. It's (laughs) not like it's not effective. We have done it until now, but there are more effective ways. I was watching today again, by chance on, on YouTube, uh, Simon Sinek uh, with the start with why that is the point. Like if you, and, and he said, I mean, I'm not quoting exactly, but that's definitely the, the, the message it was like, if you inspire people, if you are able to match their values with what you want as a company, what you represent, they're going to follow you everywhere. And this applies to you as a manager and blah, blah, blah. So not not to repeat myself, nor to uh, say that uh, your colleague is not right. He's totally right. But what I would say is like, if that would be the case, especially now, it's like we are, again, in a lucky position and whatnot, fly, like run. <laughs> that yeah. is totally not the place you yeah. want to live in. Yeah, it is sort of the difference between um, the process that's there on paper I mean, it doesn't only apply to 360 reviews. It applies to, I don't know, company values uh, and anything else you have on paper. That's great. But in the end, um, that stuff doesn't matter as much as how it's actually done then. Right? Yeah. This is sort of the big asterisk of our podcast, more or less. (laughs) Find a good company and then that stuff works. Otherwise, it all comes crashing down. Otherwise, it's just lip service. And it's not authentic. Yeah. Uh, everything that you do as a person, as a company has to be authentic because if it's not, humans are very good at picking up that stuff <laughs> subconsciously, unconsciously, yeah. whatever you want to call it, but they know you're talking bullshit. Exactly. But I think there's also a, another level to this that is not as, as harsh, I would say. And that's a sort of my, my, my takeaway from, my first round of 360 reviews sort of what i i think what i did wrong is i basically just wrote the 360 reviews with the other person in mind just the person that i wrote the feedback for mm-hmm. what i didn't consider is that their manager would also read this stuff and i think depending on the person on the other side it might sometimes be uh, nice to consider is this something I just want to tell this person and then don't go through this 360 review. Or is this something that either I'm, <laughs> I'm really annoyed with this, with this person. So I'm happy to, for the manager to see it, or it is not that bad. Let's call it like that, that, that you don't right? because if you have something bad, either you are okay with the manager reading that and having a problem, or you just want the other person sort of, to know that you think this, uh, but you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to really sort of get their manager involved. And it's not a direct involvement because you, you are not writing this to the manager in a, I don't know, private message or a phone call. But in the end, 
the manager will be involved in a way. And I think you need to take this into account. I'm thinking as a manager myself, I would like to know how I can help this better, this person getting better. So I have a friend of mine that, that does exactly the same. I was talking to him last week and he said, like, whenever I am asked about giving feedback, I give to like a manager asks me about feedback about their, their report. Like, unless I had given also that person the same feedback, I don't, I don't say what, what I think, uh, to, to the manager. Mm -hmm. I disagree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, I'm, I think I'm looking at this, uh, from, from a different lens. I, mm. I am sort of, I don't basically care about the manager, right? Then the manager mm -hmm. of the other person is not something I am, I work with every day and then I, that I want to be nice to, right? Mm -hmm. But with the other person, I'm basically working day to day, let's say. Yeah. And sort of, this is sort of the primary person I'm interested in. So mm -hmm. in, 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 in a relationship like that, I would actually, I think it is for me or for the, for the, for the, for the relationship of the two people there, which are basically on the same level, it is probably beneficial to first talk to that person and then maybe say, Hey, and then it also doesn't come as a surprise in the 360 review process, because I don't know how it is with you, but I think in our case, it's like the manager reads it first and then hands it over to the Yes. Employee. Usually the manager always reads it first. If it were the other way around, I would probably be more okay with it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, in the, in this case in particular, I, I do agree. I, I don't like, so one of the things that I liked about the 360 process we had at Freeletics was that you as a person were the one initiating the process and the feedback would be anonymous. So you would, some people were signing themselves even, um, but you were the one driving the process. So you were a, Because, you know, like, it's true. I, I totally agree with you that given that you work on a day-to-day -day basis with someone, it's important to give them feedback. But that is hard. It's really hard. It's hard if you don't get along with that person because you know that a conflict is there. And it's hard if you get along with that person because unless there is a high degree of trust, it's very, very easy to piss someone off. And exactly because that person is working to, with you on a day-to-day -day basis, people tend not to give feedback or they sugarcoat the thing. And these reviews, like the idea of this 360s is exactly that. It's like act as a lubricant, make it mandatory so that it something has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Sort of there, I, I agree. I, I'm, it is a nice opportunity to, to actually think what you perceived as good or, and maybe not as good about that other person. In our case, the, the problem is just right. You ask three people to review you mm. and it is very, very easy to pick who is who, even in an anonymous feedback. Yes. So <laughs> essentially it is not anonymous. I mean, it was clear in the beginning and everyone said, Hey, it is pseudo anonymous, but you will probably be able to tell who wrote it. But yeah. So for First of all, there are tools out there, guys, if you want, um, to, <laughs> to scramble the way you, you write so that it's not clear. 
or at least you can't, you can't see the patterns, let's say, but jokes aside. Yes, that's true. So for example, in, in, in Kaya, what happens is like as a manager, you can let the messages through, but in theory, like the, the, the basic version is that you incorporate, you re-elaborate the feedback that these people have given. And that's what you pass along to the person so that there's still the filter. I don't know. It's like, if you didn't know about that being not actually anonymous, it was like, uh, it would have been, yeah, that, that part, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a misstep. Like it, it, three people is just too little and, and it's, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. I mean, it, it was, I'm not sure it was the biggest, biggest problem. I offered chocolates <laughs> that were turned down, uh, but I guess we're fine. Ah, so, yeah, I mean, that's another thing that I learned for myself because, uh, someone from HR, actually, I was uh, very lucky to have good people in HR <laughs> in my previous job told me exactly this. I was like, feedback is feedback. Feedback is what other people perceive of you. It's not necessarily the truth. So always keep that in mind because that's a data point. It it's, it's just that it's perception. It's not necessarily reality. But I guess that's where the, the, the low number of people comes in again, right? Because if you mm -hmm. look at it from the eye of performance or how your manager perceives you doing, then in the, uh, of course, one of three reviews actually weighs pretty heavy. I would, I yes. would assume, I don't know if it's really that, that strong. I, I guess sort of the, the idea here is that we do it every three months. So I don't. I assume the idea is that, I mean, this is the first year, so maybe this time it's not like that, but sort of the assumption is that, I don't know, you do it for a year and at the end of the year, you have more than three and you sort of collect stuff and then look over stuff one more time. Mm -hmm. Maybe then it's not as bad, but as if it's like, it's the end of the year, there's only three reviews from someone, then it's kind of, kind of weighs more heavily, I guess. Yeah. And that's why in my opinion, it's very important. And it, I, again, according to the literature out there, that's how it's supposed to be. The feedback should be as continuous as possible. The inputs about what, what the person is doing well and what the person could do differently, could do better, should always be there all the time. So as, as a manager and as a colleague, actually, it's important to to do this as often as possible, because then you have a steady signal about what's going on and you can, you as a person can pick up the patterns and say, okay, I've been hearing this from multiple people, multiple times across the months. So it's not a one-off. It's really something that I am doing. There are other ways those to uh, uh, one, one last comment is like about the, the, the chocolate that was very sweet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I'm now eating the chocolate myself. That's good. <laughs> uh, because there's also this, you are not responsible for other people's feelings. Um, I know I've been in therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm was talking one of to the you, outcomes. but I'm talking to the, you know, like the audience. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's another thing. Like when you write something, it's because you feel in a certain way. And your feelings are important. You, you literally cannot, cannot control what the other person is going to feel. So 
try to come from from a from a place of curiosity more than judgment speaking for myself <laughs> but yeah so that should help yeah so i think my main takeaway here is that at least for the people that i care about i shouldn't be putting surprises into 360 reviews as stuff should be discussed i don't know more often than every three months or whenever those reviews yes. are i mean in theory that's what retros are for it's just that sometimes it's there are a few things where i just had a bit of a vague feeling and i wasn't sure mm. it was something i wanted to to discuss in a bigger round in a retro and it also wasn't something that was that bad i guess i could have worded my feedback <laughs> in a different way so that it didn't come across as strong as it apparently did I don't know. Where are you following the situation behavior impact framework when phrasing the feedback? Yes, I try to not just write anything. I try to say, hey, there's this bit. This is sort of giving examples of how, why I, I have a feeling that that could be. Yeah. So we had some training beforehand and we, there were some uh, guidelines around that. And um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking? I was like, well, from the, the kind of the feedback you, you described to me, it felt that it wasn't situational. It was more of a statement about the person inadvertently, mind you. Uh, I was like, oh, being this makes you less effective. And that might be what could have backfired. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. There's some more learning to do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how many quarters it will take me to write. <laughs> it's an art. On the other hand, it is actually, I actually talked to her afterwards about it, right? So we mm -hmm. had a discussion around this. So at least <laughs> we didn't sort of, it didn't sort of fester and we didn't sort of not talk to each other about stuff. Then I don't know. That's, um, that's impressive. It's not an easy thing to do, uh, to uh, go back and, uh, you know, like poke at, at the problem. Yeah. Hello, my therapist. Um, we just <laughs> discussed this last week <laughs> um, on another instance, but you know, like <laughs> there's only so many, uh, different things in life and it always comes back to a few things. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is what I find fascinating lately. Like we're with, with my uh, coach therapist, you name it. I mean, she, she's a psychologist anyways. Uh, every now and I, I don't go always to her, but whenever I feel like I need, like I, we go through a few sessions and I find it fascinating how much of my work makes me think about my personal life and has an influence there and vice versa. It was like a lot of the things that I learned on the job because I need to hone those skills, like how to talk to people when uh, the topic is hard, um, mm -hmm. how to plan, how to um, how to learn something, uh, carry over to my personal life, and uh, and vice versa. Many of the situations in which I find myself in my personal life makes me think of like oh, this this actually could work. Even even at work, so yeah, 
And we can't we can't just avoid being humans sadly sometimes <laughs> sadly sometimes yes and for uh Yevgeny uh, out there uh if you hear the purring that's the cat that has decided to sit on my uh, arms and purr directly in the microphone nice <laughs> right switching gears let's talk about uh german infrastructure in oh, sense. Boy. <laughs> I mean, Wait, if you want to call it like that, <laughs> end of the episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. So, what happened during my week? Uh, beside, you know, biking, it's not only this week, but in the past two weeks, actually. As I said, my company is uh, trying to um, apply for being listed as a, a digital uh, therapy application uh, according to the German law. And how this is looking like uh, at this point in time is that, so the, the process, it's, uh, it's called DIGA fast track. It, it's a fast track because it only lasts three months and a half instead of the sometimes years it takes to um, give an approval for uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. So it's fast. <laughs> so the, the process works this way, like you prepare your application, you ask for you apply for being listed. Mm-hmm. Um, the authorities go through two weeks in which they do a formal check of your, uh, of your application. This literally means that they read the documents. That's it. Uh, they don't go into the studies. They don't like, it's just a formal check on the application itself. After that, if you don't get any news, uh, three months starts, that's the clock. And, uh, they take those three months to, um, check or actually the functional part. So this means that they go through the studies. So they evaluate your results and, and if your product is actually effective and, and uh, helps uh, users, helps patients at this point. Uh, and they do check that your application, your product uh, abides to the law. Uh, it should have certain features like, of course, privacy uh, settings, uh, it has to have a bunch of other things. It also has to uh, apparently be hosted on a German provider. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not stated like that in the law, uh, but uh, it's um, it's it's hard to read it in any other way after you are told. So this is actually what happened. I think it was like three weeks. Yes, three weeks before um, the end of the of the three months mm-hmm. we you receive a letter because of course everything is communicated by letter um, of course, of course. Uh, so you receive a letter that uh, says what they got out of their check so uh, blah 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 and um you have one week to remediate or argue for mm-hmm. you for for your de- uh, for your decisions the clock for the application doesn't stop for the listing doesn't stop. So you can keep arguing, but if you hit the three months and you are not yet listed, this means that you go, you go into, um, you are automatically not listed because they already said that they wouldn't accept you with Mm -hmm. the current conditions and it will take you a year to reapply. Yes. (laughs) So, um, yep. We could, for one thing, we managed to argue 
you can all like by the way you can only argue over the phone because they don't want anything on record uh, mm-hmm. so you cannot write emails or anything <laughs> like that uh, as if phone calls cannot be registered but you know like recorded whatever it's better than the facts you know it's like <laughs> at least that yeah <laughs> Uh, but so we managed to argue on one point. One of the points that were given to us was that a user that didn't tick the stay logged in flag uh, checkbox uh, wasn't um, logged out uh, before in a, in a sensible amount of time that for them was as soon as the app goes on the background. Mm-hmm. So our point was like, but what if I receive a call? during the session or what if I want to put some music on, I have a message to answer. That's not going to be an ideal user experience. And surprisingly they said, yeah, that's fine. Then the, you currently have 12 hours to, uh, to, um, log out someone. It has to be no more than 30 minutes. So they're actually reasonable. Um, mm-hmm. you, only have to log out users when you swipe up, like you close the app, then mm-hmm. it, someone has to be logged out. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. We can do that. We already okay. did it. It's just shorter. So that's fine. But the other point was, uh, they didn't like, so we are hosted on AWS mm-hmm. and for the European version of our products, we want to be hosted on AWS Europe, of course, because European soil, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. GDPR, no, favorite uh, acronym of everyone in the software industry lately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what happened was that the authorities don't like one particular sentence in uh, the contract or in the in the statement that AWS has. What they would like that statement to say is that in by no means and in no case when authorities ask for non-European authorities ask for the user data, AWS will surrender that data, those data. Mm -hmm. And that was the point that we couldn't really argue with. Like we called uh, our AWS representative. We tried to, you know, make a conjoint statement. Uh, AWS even changed some of the wording, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong because I was in the in the room, but in any case, uh, that answer wasn't very satisfactory. Uh, also, the wording of the uh, during the calls is very vague, so you always have to you know read birds and trail and try to figure out what they mean when they when they speak. Um, so <laughs> it's not that easy. So in the end, uh, the outcome was we have to move to a German provider, and um, in order to do that, in two weeks. <laughs> I was like, okay, what is the thing that will hurt the least? And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh boy. Yeah. So you moved to OTC, the open telecom cloud, which at least looking at the interface. So let me say at a previous job, I had the exact same case. We had a customer who was in the German healthcare world. And they basically said the same thing. We were hosted on Heroku and they said, yeah, but you can't, there is the possibility that the US government is going to tell Heroku or the underlying Amazon to give out the user data. Right. So this was the thing that, that, that 
sort of they didn't like. And we also had to host an OTC then for them. How do you like OTC? I mean, to, to me, I, I wasn't involved in the move there, but to me, even the interface looks like if you've been somewhere on Amazon, it looks like almost the same with so missing features. <laughs> exactly. So that's the thing. I think that overall, from what I could see, because I, 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 I wasn't the person actually doing this. Our DevOps team has done it in collaboration with our backend engineers and some of the mobile engineers. Because guess what? <laughs> That's what happens when you remove <laughs> the whole infrastructure. Everything has to be rewritten. So yeah, uh, it looks like actually not that crazy. It's acceptable. What What is the main problem is that some functionality is missing. For example, mm-hmm. OTC doesn't send emails. Did you know that? So you have to mm-hmm. find your mm-hmm. own SES <laughs> to do that. And guess what? It has to be also German and it has to be hosted in German in Germany and cannot send blah, 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 GDPR, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We didn't send emails, but we had to make phone calls and the telecom compared to the sort of industry standard these days, which is Twilio, is, it is so bad. Ah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. So some, some tools are missing, some, some fundamental parts. So you have to hook up something else to, to it. The other thing that it's um, not optimal is that they might mutuate some things from AWS, but it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, what what I heard is, uh, for example, the um, if I'm not mistaken, the authentication system is not exactly behaving like AWS. It's AWS-like, but not exactly. So what we thought was an easy move in that regard wasn't. So we had to come up with something else. And uh, it took us like, I think, three days or or something like that instead of, you know, a couple of hours. Mm-hmm do it but there's also good things because this need allowed us to take the chance uh to move to uh kubernetes that we weren't using before we were Mm -hmm. uh, still using beanstalk we were in the process to move to kubernetes but it wasn't the topmost priority and with this move it was like okay that's kind of the priority because if we need to spin something up fast that's the only way yeah. Um, so I've seen the DevOps people, they did an amazing job in less than a couple of days. They, uh, I think it was like in a, in a few hours, actually, they were able between Kubernetes, uh, Terraform to bring something to, uh, to life, uh, that uh, was completely not there before. After two weeks, I mean, it's not, it's not the, it's not a, a, a replicable, uh, feet. <laughs> it's like, we know that we will have to move another product to this infrastructure. We cannot literally take what we have and spin it again because everything is customized because it has to be fast. Like you can't plan for, for the future when you're running and you know, hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, a, uh, it was, a, it gave us this possibility. Let's say the, the thing that I, was particularly impressed by was first of all the professionality of everyone i've happened to see similar situations of you know it's like 
there's a uh, high tension. We need to uh, fix this because otherwise the world is going to end. But in this case, it was literally for two weeks, people working almost around the clock on so many, so many moving parts and things are still working. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we have accumulated a fat ass list of technical debt, <laughs> but, <laughs> but seeing people with, you know, like really rallying to make this happen was just unbelievable. Um, I was expecting, you know, like some backhanded comments or some uh, grumpiness here and there, but everybody really behaved at their best. And uh, for that, I, I'm I'm really grateful to have been able to uh, witness that because it also helped me uh, realize that sometimes while you are in the heat of a battle, you can keep some comments for, for later. That, yeah. that That's okay. Yeah, and now I wonder... Do you think you will all have an opportunity afterwards to let it all out, so to speak? I want to. <laughs> um, so at least for my uh, for my team, I want to have a retrospective proper. But I'm also digging in the one on ones on purpose and say like, um, because it's important to uh, to let first of all the stress and the frustration, the rightful frustration about the situation vent. What I hope is that we don't stop at the venting phase. It's Mm -hmm. like we, as management, we need to make sure that the likelihood of something like this happening should decrease with time. Or at least it should be known uh, to everyone involved beforehand that it might happen, right? That's already step one. And this is another thing where when people talk about change management, it's important that one of the things that, that people say is like, it's important to get the information about what's happening next as soon as possible to the people that are involved in the end. Mm -hmm. And this would be one of those cases as like, if people were prepared and that was a mistake I did, frankly, if people knew they would have been taken less by surprise, of course, and they might have planned for it. So speaking of, you know, delegating actions, decisions, uh, lower in, in the chain, like ugh, lower, but you know, it's like to the people that actually mm-hmm. do the, do the job. Yeah. If we knew that this would have been a possibility, we could have thought about, you know, it's like, let's even just sketch a plan. I was like, we don't have to do anything, but what are the moving pieces here? Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. do we, who do we need to call if something like this happened? Because one of the teams we, we called at the very last minute because we didn't realize how deep this would have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and these people didn't had then two weeks, they had a week mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. actually do this. So um, that was even less fun for them. So definitely that. What else? There was another thing that I wanted to say, but of course I forgot it because I wanted to say it fast. Uh, but yeah, so it'll come to mind. Ah, yes, about uh, what, what I said was a mistake of mine. So when I was told, because I was told by uh, the head of the business units, like the letter will come, make your team aware that it will be intense. I also mm-hmm. thought that we had been so thorough with the product itself 
that there would be, you know, like a few questions, but that's it. So I didn't, I didn't go back to my team and told them, I was like, guys, this is what is going to happen. Maybe there will be need for working overtime mm-hmm. because I mean, it's the German government. You can't tell them, Hey, wait for me. Like that's not what, how it works with deadlines in this regard. So for the short period, what I learned is that I, I, I should have done that for the long period. Yeah. Um, but I mean, on the other hand, it's like, it was the first time for you as well. Right. So you didn't even know what to expect, I guess. That's the thing. This is what makes it interesting working. I mean, how, in this what company. do you tell the people, right? It will be intense, but you can't tell them anymore because yeah. you've never experienced it. We so have no kinda... idea what they could come up with. Yes. Yeah. It's a, uh, that's uh, so one of, one of the teams that we asked the, the team I was talking about that we asked to move everything in a week. They got back to us, of course, afterwards. And I was like, what went wrong? I was like, why weren't we called before? And I'm like, because we didn't know. And the more we were talking, the more I realized that that's exactly the problem. It's like, this is something that is new also for the German government. So they also don't know, or over time, things are shifting. Mm-hmm. They, the requirements become more strict. They find their own process in the patterns. So like the more companies apply for this thing, the more they get, their processes get honed. So uh, the situation is ever, ever changing. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we know for a fact that there is at least two applications listed. One of them is using a third party tool that is uh, owned by an American company and processes user data. And another one is still hosted on AWS. So we don't really understand how this works, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the majority of the others, there are 24 digas listed to this day, if I'm not mistaken, all the others are on OTC. Yeah. So um, when I learned about the beautiful world of OTC a little bit more, I'll, I'll tell you guys more because <laughs> <laughs> that's the other beauty of it because nobody's using it. There's no literature out there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not like you go to Stack Overflow, like, dude, this is not working. (laughs) Can someone help me? Nobody's using it. I I mean, you're you're probably searching in English. You have to search in German and then it's fine. Yeah, that makes my (laughs) job so much easier, right? Probably not. But imagining me trying to find an alternative CRM for our our product (laughs) that is compliant with the German law. Not easy, not easy people, but learning. Yeah. Again, so I guess it comes down to managing expectations and yeah, knowing what to expect. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, uh, this is what I started with when we did the pre-show is like, what surprised me of uh, all of this about myself is that I'm, I'm not flipping tables. I would <laughs> have been so flipping tables before, <laughs> but the more time I spend in the, in management. And now that I've been doing this somewhat, uh, product management job, the more I figured that that that's what people mean when they say that as a manager, you have to work with ambiguity and that 80, 20 is okay. If not a little bit too much on the safe side, um, you just have to take decisions with 
not as many certainties as you are used to as an engineer. It's like what is very important for us as engineers, and this is partially what Agile is trying to overcome, is that like in order for our systems, because our systems are binaries, like it's either it works or it doesn't. It's like mm-hmm. there, there's nothing in between. Um, I'm, of course, I'm like exaggerating, but you get what I mean. We do expect every, like in order for us to do our job well, we have to be certain about what we want to put in there. It's like we're talking with someone with something that cannot interpret what, what you say with, like you have to be hundred percent certain about what you want to tell them, the machine, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, on a small level, I agree, but eventually the system gets so big that it's all just random combinations of stuff things that don't work as expected and you're back oh, yeah. in in that area and i guess the best you can do even there is to not make the same mistake twice <laughs> no but you see like the system I, I agree with you that's totally true but the system is still doing what you tell it to do it's just that you didn't know what to tell them <laughs> what to tell it properly <laughs> yeah but in the end doesn't it come come out at the same as the same thing it behaves unpredictably, essentially. Not on his own volition. When when talking to another human, you have two filters that that add uncertainty to the systems. Like there's multiple inputs, multiple behaviors, multiple rationals, uh, goals. Uh, with the machine, the machine doesn't have will at all. It literally does what you tell it to do. So it's you misinterpreting, but the machine doesn't misinterpret. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, if you I'm just gonna... don't understand. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a reason. So that's where I think that as an engineer, it's, uh, it's harder, or at least for me, it was harder to not keep people accountable to the highest standard that I had. Also because I'm a little bit judgmental, but that's, uh, <laughs> you know, like, that's me. <laughs> Let's not tell anyone. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Therefore, this happens. And as engineers, again, our work uh, is constantly under scrutiny by other engineers. It's ingrained in, in, uh, in how we work. It's like you have to show your work to someone else. And there's endless debates out there about what is right, what is wrong, blah, blah, blah. In other fields, Yes, but it's so it's it's human. Therefore, it's fluffy. Mm-hmm. It's it's fluffier, let's say, because our debates are not exactly you know like <laughs> always the best. Very objective. Oh. Everything is objective. Yes, yes, in programming. So I think that was one of the loose thoughts of the of the week. That that's why we very often think in absolutes. It's like if else that happens a lot in my head as I am trying to remove noise from the decision-making process. And that's why probably we expect a lot from, from others. Others engineer can withstand that, that, uh, that heat, but I don't think managers, uh, can, or people in other, uh, in other, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's easy to call bullshit, but, uh, and that's why uh, I found uh, this very interesting. Uh, I, I I might find the the article again. I was like, the currency, your currency as a manager, is the quality of your decisions. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what you need to uh, get better at. That's why you need time to think again. All right. So we'll give Monica and our listeners time to think until the next episode <laughs> <laughs> to abuse the statement as, as a wrap up for our episode. Monica, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on uh, Twitter as um, KF Molly with an I. And uh, you can find me on my website at monicag.me. What about you? And you can also find me on Twitter as UJH. And if you want to reach out, out to us um, and write uh, feedback or ask questions or suggest topics, you can also reach us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. Thank you again for your feedback. And uh, I wish you a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.